On this episode of Jessica's show, the CW finally premieres their fall batch of shows. We got some new music to review for this week on New Music Friday. We also got books to review as we discuss the most memorable works of literature this decade. All this and more as we get to the podcast. Welcome to the show, peoples. It is week three of the fall television season, and we are talking about the return of the CW shows after a really long summer. And man, I'm glad for the CW to be back. So let's get to it first on our weekly TV update. Starting on Sunday, Batwoman starts at a .5, followed by a .4 from Supergirl, a welcome result at the 9 p.m. hour after Charm's later .2 results from last season. This is what's in the hot category due to the fact that Batwoman grew in the half hours. Although we are not quite from the early aughts of Supergirl and Charmed, considering how the rest of TV premiered two weeks ago, the CW started out solid. Moving on to Monday, All-American returned to a .3 in the adults 1849 demo on Monday night after a time slot change from Wednesday 9 p.m. to Monday 8 p.m. It even skewed younger than its last season one episodes. The adults 1834 rating for All-American was also at a .3, compared to a .1 for the later episodes. This is good news for the show, which likely leads it in the middle of the CW pack. Because the average is now at 0.3, it does not seem bad. But don't expect All-American to get canceled anytime soon this season. Black Lightning then followed soon after with a 0.3, which grew out of the 8 p.m. lead-in by 100th. Considering the Big Four, the lineup was solid, but not quite at hot levels. We're going to put this in the tepid-leaning hot category for now. So let's move on to Tuesday. The Flash scored a .6, in line with the later episodes in the previous season. It is still the number one show, but it is an interesting turn of events when it is a few tenths away from Empire. On the CW, that should be commendable. It's in the hot category. Arrow will return next week. And while it is in its final season, it'll be interesting to watch the ratings. Moving on to Wednesday. Riverdale returned to a .4 in line with the upper end of the later episodes. The newest occupant of the Wednesday 9 p.m. time slot, a.k.a. Nancy Drew, scored a .3 after a .4 from Riverdale. Historically adjusted, it did better than both Dynasty, Life Sentence, and to a small extent, All-American. Considering this is a CBS-produced show, the renewal ratings bar is lower than the WB show's. It easily clears that. Wednesday is hot this week. On Thursday night, Supernatural and Legacies returned solidly. Both shows scored a .4 and a .3 respectively. Speaking of Legacies, the show will have 20 episodes this season to finish around the same time as the final season of Supernatural. It started at essentially the same premiere rating as season one, which in today's rating landscape is pretty good. Will it remain steady through the fall? I think it will. Thursday is hot this week. Friday, 
we are currently predicting that the two shows will see its first point two and point one entries, and that will be CBS shows Charmed and Dynasty. We should not be surprised about either of those. Friday is cold, but these shows are going to be renewed no matter what ratings they end up settling under. This is the CW, duh. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the other broadcast networks and cable. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Hello, peoples. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back to the show, and this is part two of our weekly TV update. Now that we got the CW out of the way, let's start with ABC. This week on ABC was a mixed bag, to say the least. While Kids Say the Darnest Things started out with a solid .9, the rookies scored a series low of a .6. That does not sound as bad as a Tuesday lineup, which Emergence scored a .5 this week. Sundays right now are leaning hot. Mondays are leaning hot since Dancing and The Good Doctor was steady this week. Speaking of Tuesdays, Tuesdays were leaning cold this week. Despite an uptick from Bless This Mess, everything else stayed either steady or hit a new low. Emergence emerges as a cancellation-worthy show after three weeks. On Wednesday, Schooled hit a new low of a .7, Modern Family hit Fractional for the first time with a .9, and Stumptown ticks down to a .6. Speaking of Stumptown, it has a considerable amount of DVR left currently, so it may not look as bad as it seems. More on that later. Wednesday is tepid. On Thursday... A Million Little Things returned to Season 1 levels at a point eight after a 1.4 from Grey's Anatomy. Station 19 would definitely not hit those numbers if this were airing in the fall. It'll probably be lower. Murder went to a point five. Thursday outside of Grey's is tepid. Last Friday moves to the tepid category and will likely stay there as American Housewife and Fresh Off the Boat ticked down to a point five and a point four respectively. Ratings are typically 20 to 30% lower for broadcast networks on a Friday. What's cold on a weeknight, it's tepid for a Friday. Hopefully both shows go up in the next ratings report, as I suspect that they were both adversely affected by the SmackDown premiere on Fox. While Bob Hurts have a show that remains steady on CBS, it's leading the neighborhood ticked down to a point eight. Monday is still leaning cold. FBI... On Tuesday, this week, ticked down to a .8 on... That would make the night leaning tepid. NCIS hit a 1.1 this week as well. The only steady player of the night was NCIS New Orleans. It stayed at a .7. SEAL Team hit a .6 this week, while SWAT stayed steady on Wednesdays. Still tepid. Thursdays were cold this week, with Carol second at hitting a .6. Evil adjusted up to a .6 after a preliminary .5. At least Magnum P.I. stayed steady last week on Friday night against SmackDown, but we'll see how it goes in week three. Moving on to NBC. There's nothing much to say besides the obvious. The Bluff City Law ticked down to a .6, and Comedy Newbie's Perfect Harmony and Sunnyside scored a .4 and a .3, respectively. At least Sunnyside stayed stable, 
but SVU ticked down to a new low to a, a 0.6 in a key demo. I honestly admire SVU's ability to grow from a low-rated lead-in. We'll see how the blacklist does in its second week, but it was tepid last week at a 0.5. New Amsterdam ticks down to a 0.8. This week, there's really not much to say, as I've said before. Moving on to Fox. Prodigal Son ticked down to a 0.9 after the full-season pickup news that it got nine extra episodes, making its total number of episodes for season one at 22 episodes. Still solid, that 0.9, and Fox has bigger fish to fry. Case in point, The Resident is at 0.7 and Empire ticks down to a 0.8 on Tuesday. My question is, how far will Empire fall? Only time will tell. Almost Family stayed at a 0.7, but how low will it go when The Masked Singer is done? Bless the Hearts went to a 1.2 after a huge football-inflated 2.1 lead-in from The Simpsons, which arguably may be worse than Mass Singer leading into Almost Family. But, you know, it's football. They'll be back to normal numbers without football. Surely... That 1.2 from Bless the Hearts should be higher than that. Maybe 1.5, 1.6. Though, let's move on to some SmackDown news. SmackDown doubled its USA demo ratings when it premiered to a 1.4 on Fox. Not as high as Last Man Standing and the Cool Kids premieres from last season, but still enough to make it the number one network on Friday night. Moving on to cable, let's talk about the wrestling wars. Has anyone heard of the new All Elite Wrestling Dynamite on TNT? Remember the show people claim would overtake WWE? It dropped to 0.46 in the key adults 1849 demo this week. That definitely did not beat Monday Night Raw's number this week. It beat NXT, but not Raw. And the 0.68 from last week was almost half of Friday Night SmackDown. Think about it. That 0.46 will be less than half of this week's number from SmackDown, assuming it stays above 1.0 on Fox. And that is your weekly TV update. When we come back, we're going to be talking new music. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hold up. Don't go anywhere. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Welcome back. And we are switching gears for New Music Friday. I think since we are overshadowed by the TV premieres and the ratings over the past few weeks, I thought I would devote time to highlighting some new music that is out this week. First, remember Little Kim? The legendary rapper released her first album in 14 years since The Naked Truth, appropriately titled Nine. Key song of the album, You Are Not Alone. That song is one of nine tracks on the album. This is part one of a two-album project. The second album will be due at a later date, maybe before 2020, maybe 2020. She definitely beat Tool for the amount of time between albums this year. Oh, wait, did I just say Tool? Sorry, guys. Different genre. 
Tools rock. Little Kim is hip hop. I gotta get that right next time. Moving on, Harry Styles, one of the guys from One Direction, released a new song called Lights Up Today from his upcoming sophomore album. It's a bit shorter than Sign of the Times from his debut album, but it does create quite a punch. Has anyone ever heard of Baby Metal, the Japanese J-pop kawaii metal crossover band? The band just released their third album, Metal Galaxy, and some of the standout tracks include Da Da Dance, Papaya, and Distortion. The band has come so far since Give Me Chocolate, I gotta say. Christian metalcore band The Devil Wears Prada just released their seventh studio album, The Act, with standout tracks including Switchblade, Numb, and Lines of Your Hands. This is a first release on Christian-based Solid State Records, which is the same record label of Demon Hunter, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Dawson, no, not the family feud guy, the folk music guy, has released its latest album, 2020. The album currently has a Metacritic score of 84, marking universal acclaim. This is the sixth album for the British musician and songwriter, Way to go, Richard Dawson, you. The Guardian wrote in its review that each of the songs here are palm worthy Lotion masterpieces full of quiet tenacity on an island slowly turning sour. Playing almost every instrument, Dawson has scaled up from folk and blues to bigger pop-basing arrangements with some of his heartiest tunes yet. And with that being said, this has been New Music Friday. You can get each of these new releases on wherever you stream music, like Apple Music and Spotify or whatever, or where where you get physical copies through your trusty record store. When we come back, we're talking books. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Since the debut episode of Jessica's show, the number of platforms where you can listen to the podcast has grown to nine. Nine platforms. That's right. You can listen to Jessica's show on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Castro, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify, in addition to Anchor. All are really good podcasting platforms to host or syndicate your podcast. All episodes, including teasers. Pretty cool, huh? Okay, folks, break's over. Let's get back to the show. And we are back with Jessica's show, folks. Since we are winding down to the end of this current decade, I thought I would spend this segment and review some of the most memorable books in this decade. Some great, some meh, and some not so great. Some turn into memorable films and franchises. Let's get right to it, shall we? First, we have Jillian Flynn's Gone Girl. 
Originally published in 2012, the book was made into a film that was released in 2014. It was a top performer in the box office for the year. I read this book over the summer, and I gotta say, this is intense. You clearly have unlikable characters, a messed up ending, murder, and all the nine yards. It took me a day and a half to read this book in its entirety. Second, we have the Divergent series. Divergent, Insurgent, and Allegiant. The series focuses on a girl, Tris Pryor, who started out in abnegation and then ends up in Dauntless. The catch, she is Divergent. The dystopian book series was made into a film series that started off strong but ended in a whimper when Allegiant, which was actually part one, severely underperformed at the box office. The other part, Ascendant, is yet to see the light of day. Both the film project and the reworked stars project was canceled. Moving on, we have the R.J. Palacio novel, Wonder. It's about a boy named Augie who has a facial deformity and his adventures overcoming school. I think the book is pretty sad at first, but it is heartwarming at the end when he finally gets the respect he deserves. Then we have the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, which is essentially a messed up Twilight fan fiction. E.L. James originally wrote Fifty Shades of Grey as a Twilight fan fiction, by the way, which was subsequently made into a movie which spawned the high-selling franchise. This is one of the most memorable book trilogies of the decade that could have been NC-17 rated with the film, but actually rated R. Moving on, you can't have a memorable segment without John Green. The Fault in Our Stars. A 2012 novel has the main protagonist, Hazel, battle cancer and fall in love with Augustus Waters, an amputee whose cancer was in remission, then eventually returns. It was made into a movie, which was a blockbuster success. These books were essentially memorable during this decade. Many are still reading them today, while some do not remember them as much. When we come back, I will be giving my final thoughts. Don't go away. We'll be right back. On the next episode of Jessica's show, we talk about some of the biggest box office bombs of the year. Goldfinch, are you okay, honey? It's a week two post-mortem for the CW, plus many more trends on the horizon. All this and more on Jessica's show. Welcome back to the show, folks. Here are some final thoughts. CW definitely brought a welcome sigh of relief after the past few weeks. I feel like the season so far has been disappointing for many reasons. It will feel like an eternity when November sweeps comes. Also, the LSAT scores for the September administration will be released on Monday, October 14th, the same day as Columbus Day, or also Indigenous Peoples Day in some states, which are holidays. May the odds be ever in our favor, September test takers. The latest episode of PCC Multiverse is hot off the press with the October TV update. Make sure to listen to the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse Mondays and Fridays on wherever you listen to podcasts. That's in addition to this podcast, folks. New episodes of Network will be posted Sundays at 8 p.m. and new Writer's Block episodes will be posted on Thursdays at 8 p.m., both on the TV Ratings Guide. Make sure you catch up on all episodes of both series on the TVRGO website at tvrgo.blogspot.com before new episodes arrive. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Betagirl96. 
like Jessica's show on Facebook and like my public page, Jessica Boggs on Facebook for more updates. Also, you can follow the TV Ratings Guide on Twitter at TV Ratings Guide for more TV-related updates. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jessica Boggs, signing off.